Welcome to Ministry Leaders Anonymous. My name is Chris Bartlett. And I'm Matt Rice, and we hope to provide a moment of sanity. Wait, what am I doing? I don't have the script. What am I going to do, Chris? You do the intro. You got it. Okay, let's try it again. (laughs) No, that was fine. Okay, and we've both worked in ministry for over 20 years and have seen just about everything. And as damn as we are, we are ready to bring light to the hurts, hopes, and hungers that every ministry leader has. Now that's what I'm talking Boom. about. Nailed it. Good. So let, let's let's talk about that for just a little bit, Matt, as we dive into this topic. What happens when you get too comfortable in ministry? Because with COVID-19, I think there is a sense that those who were comforted, comfortable in ministry may have been now convicted. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, it's like, whoa. But some of those that were really comfortable in ministry were also doing really good. Mm-hmm. Like my first year in ministry, I didn't know a thing. Yep. By my third year, I knew which volunteers were the ones that you call last minute as a driver. Yep. I knew which ones would be like, hey, bring some brownies. And they would say yes in like two hours notice. They would just, they would do it. I knew other ones that were better at giving talks as opposed to leading small groups and vice versa. You start to learn things. And then you get to focus. Once you get the system going, you get to really focus on the content of the ministry. You st- yep. start doing amazing things there. Um, but is there such a thing as being too comfortable in ministry? Um, and it's not just like you made me think about some other things as well as far as like what's going to happen like coming out of this. People are used to not doing all those things. So all the people you depended on before, you may have to reestablish all those relationships and, and reset all that up. But is it like is it possible to be too comfortable in ministry? One hundred percent, absolutely. You've given the same talk like fifty times, so you don't do any preparation for it the next time you go up and do it, and so it's just something that you've done forever. You're comfortable in it. You don't prepare for it. So yes, I think that there is a level of yeah comfort that can be a bad thing, can be detrimental to the ministry we do. But, but I think there's also a beauty because I remember uh, my first couple of times in my first few years in youth ministry, like relational ministry is super important to me and it always has been going into the student section of Friday Night Lights, right, mm-hmm. of, of a football game yep. and, and sitting and walking in there and sitting those with those youth. Um, there was part of me that felt like a teenager, you know, entering into a cafeteria trying to find, do I have a place at this table or How something along those lines? How many heads do you have lines. on it as, as they stare at you as you walk up? Right, like, oh, they're judging me, or no. And, and now, I don't care what teens think of me, right? I mean, because I, I, I've, I've discovered a deeper identity. And yes, in, in adulthood, you're still figuring yourself out. I feel like we're all just middle school kids trying to find a seat at the table, you yep. know. But, but I am much more comfortable, or dare I say comfortable, walking into a stadium and going and sitting down with youth, even youth that I don't know, to be able to share the gospel, which used to be a huge hurdle. So comfort in ministry in that sense is actually a very positive thing. Absolutely. And like in, in that scenario, like you get more comfortable because the kids are expecting to see you there or you actually know more kids there. And so you get more comfortable that way as well. But yeah, so I think that there is some comfort in ministry that is that makes you a better minister because you're not dealing with all the fear and the anxiety that that exists at the beginning. So when comfort turns towards complacency, it's yep. problematic. When yep. comfort turns into unexamined routine, it becomes a danger, right? Yep. Um, but the Holy Spirit's title, one of the titles is the comforter. So mm. like it, the Holy Spirit desires us to be comfortable. And maybe we're using kind of the same word in two different ways. Yeah, two different um, And maybe we should say complacent. But I I don't know. I, I, I want us to examine that because right now ministry – 
is starting to get comfortable again in regards to, okay, I'm just doing Zoom meetings with the youth. Mm. And yeah. and I don't like it. I do not no. like it. I miss, I no. miss, I miss so much the face-to-face and I miss so much the, the larger groups because we're, we're engaging a smaller crowd, right? And we're engaging them in a deeper way, but... But but still, um, it's getting comfortable. And should I um, should I be concerned? Yeah, and and the comfortable comfortability, comfortableness, comfort, sure. comfortability, the, the comfort or whatever that you feel, you know, sometimes that uh, I don't know. You wrestle with like I'm comfortable doing my Zoom meetings from home because I don't have to get dressed. I can just get dressed from the waist up. <laughs> I can still be wearing my pajama pants and do ministry. You're like, I, I, I kind of like this. I want to stay doing this. Um, but we know that that's not the best, right? That's not the best way to to reach people. I mean, and to develop relationships. You know, in-person stuff, like, is light years better. Um, so there's there, there's a comfort there, too. It's like, oh, I'm just, I'm used to this. This is easy. And that's the wrong kind of comfort as well. Yeah, and and, and to give an analogy for that, there's, there's days where... Um... You know, I get off of work and, and and regardless of whether you're working from home or wherever, the second that you get off of work, you're just kind of like, oh, I just kind of want to shift and kind of relax for a few minutes. And so I, I went downstairs and I sat down at the table and I was catching up with my wife. And just as I sat down, you heard the baby on the monitor. She had taken a later nap, right? Mm-hmm. And I had just sat down and my wife was in the kitchen preparing dinner. And so I just called on my oldest. I was like, hey, Philomena. Would you go get Stella? Like I sat down and I was comfortable there and I didn't want my comfort to be disrupted by fatherhood, by one of my <laughs> vocations. Do you see what I'm saying? Yep. And so and so I think that is the danger of of coming out of this or, or, or remaining in it or whatever it is to examine where we are too comfortable. And if it is like us sitting down on the couch at the end of the day and being like, yeah, that probably needs to put a, be put away or that probably needs to be done or cleaned. But eh, I don't really feel like doing that. I'm too comfortable here right now, and I'd rather just remain. And I don't think that God calls us to remain um, anywhere but in his embrace. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we need to um, embrace that discomfort sometimes. Because, like, it, is it easier or more comfortable to sit on the couch while your kid is on a screen in another room and you do your own thing, they do their own thing? And it's like... Yeah, that's more comfortable. That's a little easier, but that's not, you know, like doing that all day long is not good, you know, for you or for your kid, you know. And so um, embracing that discomfort and saying, hey, you know, I need to get up. I need to do something and be uncomfortable. You know, we need to do that in, in all areas of our life. And I want to make an argument for discomfort for the sake of growth or for the sake of discomfort, right? So if, if things are comfortable and shaking things up for the sake of shaking things up, people are like, why are you rocking the boat? You're a jerk or whatever. Um, but but I would almost argue like during this time, especially, and I want to speak to the professional ministry leaders, those who are full-time ministry leaders or on a parish staff, like there is something about maybe the the other staff member that frustrated you or that bothered you. It's not happening as much because you're maybe working remote more often than not. Um, you're not seeing them as frequently. Um, and, and maybe some of the conflict that occurs in the office surrounding ministry is, is dissipated because you guys aren't around. It takes two to tango and there's never two in the same room, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and even in Zoom meetings, it's much easier to be a little bit more withdrawn. I mean, that's just the reality. And so I, I think there's something healthy about 
being uncomfortable together with your team, professional ministry leaders, because it shows one, trust. It shows a sense of trust. Like if I trust you enough to be able to say, hey, Matt, I don't understand your decision. And actually the way I understand it, I disagree with your decision. I don't think that's the best direction. The room just got uncomfortable, yep. right? Super awkward. Um, yeah, but but it's not uncomfortable because I was trying to make you uncomfortable. It's because I know that I trust you enough that we have permission to dream together, to dialogue together about bigger things. And that's one of my concerns during this time is are we getting so comfortable with kind of the distance aspect that we're not having some of those harder conversations at a level that's forward thinking because the fall semester is going to come and it's going to look radically different than last fall. Yep. Are we having those conversations now so that we're able to get to that point? Can we plan everything out? Absolutely not. I don't know what the governor or the president or the COVID is going to do between now and then, but we have to start having those conversations and they're uncomfortable. Yeah. And what are what do those conversations look like over the phone or over video conferencing? Because like so I can see some people being more bold because they're not in the room with the person and so they can speak their mind a little more freely and maybe even more callously, which would not be productive. Right. But then I can also see people not having those conversations because it's easier to have those conversations in person. You know, it's easier to challenge a thought or challenge a decision in person because there's body language there and the the relationship is more real. Yeah. There was someone that broke up with me in college and we dated for a couple of years, broke up with me over the phone. And whenever I share that, they're like, that person's a monster. They're not a monster. (laughs) Um, But it it does say like, well, you guys dated for over a year and it was a phone call. Like, shouldn't that have been in person? Well, sure. That would have been ideal, except we were two, three states away because of a long distance relationship, you know, and here we are, you know, doing digital because of of the pandemic. And so I, I think that in lieu of the best, right? Yeah. In lieu of in-person ministry, then a Zoom ministry is better than nothing. Yep. And there's certain people that actually thrive in the Zoom in the Zoom setting, yep. you know? And a, and a tough conversation over Zoom is better than not having the tough conversation. If that's the if that's the other option, that's not an option. And again, that implies that there's already existing discomfort, right? So a tough conversation, you know, you've got to hit a tough topic, but I fear that we're we're getting so comfortable that it's just like everyone's looking the other direction or everyone's got tunnel vision on their own piece. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the bigger picture might be missed or be missing yeah. in the midst of this comfort. And as, as weird as this sounds, like this is relatively a prime time to have those conversations, to have a reset because everyone stopped everything. Everything is done. And then it's like, okay, well, what am I going to put back on my plate? You know, now that this is like when it starts to open up again, even me personally, it's like, what do I actually like as a father, as a family, what do we want to put back, you know, on our plate? Because all that stuff is not there anymore. And we have a a valid reason and a good time and a good break to not put that up back on my plate if I don't if I don't have to or if I don't feel called to. The same thing goes in ministry, you know, in our in our churches and in our youth ministries, like all the things you were doing either inherited from the person before you or because you've always done it, this is actually a time where you can reset and say, hey, you know, we ha- like we've had to cut down on all this other stuff. We're going to prioritize and these are the things we're going to do. But those are tough conversations and you have to have those conversations to be able to, to make those decisions. Right. So if you always led a, uh, a Sunday evening program and a Wednesday evening program and now everyone's concerned about social distancing and all those other pieces... Does it make sense 
to have two evening gatherings a week for the youth? Or would it make sense now to do a Sunday evening program and a digital gathering instead of meeting up at the parish? Or what does it look like to rethink? Have you ever been jealous at another parish or another church nearby in your town and been like, yeah, I really think that that's a good program or that's a good approach, but you were locked into your ways? <laughs> Guess what? There's, there's, it's not that someone unlocked it. Someone broke the lock. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. like we have to rebuild the door. Yep. And so yep. let's build it the way that works best for your community. If you've ever wondered, hey, what would it be like if, oh my gosh, experimentation is welcome because I believe, and this is, a, I hate saying this, but I believe that in the fall, if last year you had 100 kids that were registered in your uh, confirmation program or in your youth ministry or in your whatever it is, um, I, I have a feeling you'll be blessed to get 75. Yeah. And that's nothing you did wrong. That's just an exercise of caution that's going to take place. And I don't hold that against people. Yeah. And it's not just caution. Um, and we've talked about this before. And the studies that will come out of this um, in, the, in, what, five, ten years, um, just to um, study the, the change in church attendance, I'm really intrigued to see how many people were going because it was routine. And now that it, they're out of the routine, that, they, that that's one of the things they don't put back on their plate. You know, um, and and so that may be another reason why we have lower attendance in the fall, is that people just didn't put like their faith back on their plate, and and to me that is like we've had this huge impetus, you know, within certain circles of the church for evangelization, right? The new evangelization, you know, starting with those in the pews. Well, when they don't come back, it's obvious that they are the ones that are not evangelized. And so now it's not just like, oh, well, you know, we're doing a good job. Our peers are full. It's like, oh, no, we weren't doing a good job. It just wasn't obvious. Now it's obvious. And maybe that's the conversation, that uncomfortable conversation that needs to start happening is, okay, once it starts happening, we know the people that are coming back, especially right now, are the people who really, really want to be there. And are not, you know, meeting some of those other health danger factors, right? In our diocese, it's been encouraged that if you have a cough or you're not feeling well, stay home, please, you know. But the, the dispensation exists for everyone. And there's those who might not be exerting a lot of caution. They just might be like, well, I don't have to. The obligation is not there, so I'm not going to. Which means that we have fewer of those people and I, I'm going to use a term from Revelation, lukewarm people. We have fewer lukewarm people, which means those that are showing up are a little bit burn a little bit hotter. That should change the way we do our preaching. Yeah. That should change the way we do our Sunday experience. Yep. That should change the way we do our Zoom meetings and, and, our, and our ministry right now, because those that are showing up, they are ready for discipleship. Yeah. And so how do we form them to be evangelists in the next phase, right? How do we form them to be the ones that are drawing those people back in dynamically and radically. If you were ever at uh, your parish and you, were, and you were just like curious, if I stood up at the pulpit and said, hey, if, if you really love your faith, please stand up. Like to actually see those people stand up. I mean, it's happening right now. I mean, they're the ones that are there, right? Yeah, with, with the caveat to say that some of those that truly love their faith are not able to go because sure. they're exercising caution. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so that that should change the way we do ministry, and it it gives us insight into those people that are there, and you know, are they involved in ministry in another way? Have they been been invited into ministry in another way? Because it's not hard, like at this point, to say, hey, it's obvious that your faith is important to you. You know, not that it's not important to those that don't come, but 
it's obvious to you, to me, that it's important to you. You know, um, what are you doing with that? Or, you know, how can I walk deeper with you in this? You know, so it's just a, a really interesting opportunity and interesting time in ministry right now. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and I think that if we don't take the opportunity, mm. shame on us. Yeah. If we don't change the way we're doing things to maybe have a little bit more depth and start to strategize about what outreach looks like to draw the other ones back in, um, then, then, then shame on us. Then, then we are too comfortable, and that's problematic. Because I think for me, most of the youth ministry that I do is more a pre-evangelization evangelization as opposed to the deeper catechesis and discipleship formation. Yep. All of it is in the same funnel, sure. right? All yep. of it is in the same funnel, but I'm staying, I usually stay more at the top end, the wider end of the funnel. And there's more people that come to that. And then we have other programs that go a little bit deeper. Um, but what I'm arguing is we might want to look at the top third of the funnel and just say, they're not showing, they're not coming right now. So let's focus on the middle of the funnel and continue that discipleship formation all the way through. Well, and, and the same thing goes with the online stuff that we're doing. Like even um, the stuff that we did with Project YM Live and everything like that, the students that participated in that, my guess is those are the ones that wanted something and were looking for something. And, and the lukewarm youth either were forced to come because of you know, attendance, you know, or, or weren't there, you know? And so you could dive a little bit deeper, even on that side of things. Absolutely. I got so excited after our, uh, our second project YM live. And I was like, guys, there's still like 400 people on it, and it's just playing the music. And, uh, and then you and, and Michael were like, Chris, that means that they probably just hit login to do whatever they needed to do to tell their youth minister they were there. And now they're off playing Xbox in a different room. <laughs> oh, like I was so excited. Like they're so excited that they're just hanging around to see what else happens. It's like 400 people AFK. I don't think so. Yeah, you know, yeah. so. But that tells um, you that the, the ones that are there like want to go deeper. And so that means you can gear the content to go deeper. Yeah. And that, that was beautiful. We both got to do uh, the chat, um, the, the chat aspect of it. And I'm going to tell you in regards to being stretched outside of your comfort zone, like it's hard enough to approach a teen and be like, hey, how's it going? Oh, cool. You're wearing a Dallas Cowboy shirt. Are you a football fan? You know, you can at least have some in when it's just like, hi. And some of them wouldn't change their name. So it was user VPNF78294. And I'm like, <laughs> is this what I should call you? You know, and then it's just like crickets. It was yeah. so hard. And you got trolled a couple of times. I did, too, Matt, but which, I loved it. Yeah. Like, and that's just it. Like, I, I love the punks, you know, and, I, and we've talked about this before um, when, you know, don't squash the punks when Alyssa was on. I yeah. love those kids who will give you a hard time, who are hard to reach, um, who sit in the corner with their arms crossed, not wanting to be there. Those are the ones that I, I gravitate towards. Um, and, and I got one in the chat, and it was awesome. Um, he was uh, completely trolling me like about – he was talking about Pimpalicious or something like that, which is actually the name of like a, a stuffed monkey that him and his friend like – trade off taking photos of on Instagram or whatever. And so <laughs> anyway, it was really funny. But by the end of it, like he actually shared real prayer intentions with me um, because he knew that I was still in it. And so that kind of ministry can still happen, you know, online, but it's totally different, you know, in person. So, yeah. But in all fairness, you were like the third person in the chat because there were other people that were just like, I'm not going to continue this chat. This person is going nowhere fast. <laughs> yeah, and you're I think, like, I'm, I'm going to go with them. I think he sent links to porn to everybody, like just messing with people. <laughs> and it's like, what a punk, you know, but anyway. Yeah. 
Good. Okay. So we somehow got off of our topic, <laughs> totally. uh, which was don't be, don't be too comfortable, and that was a great example of it. Um, what what else are there any are there any values in 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 being completely comfortable? So backtracking a little bit, sure. We at, at Ablaze we train youth ministers, we train missionaries on um, how to be excellent youth ministers, and and I I want all of our missionaries to walk that balance between. Um, comfort and discomfort you know the if if you are entirely comfortable in everything you're doing all the time that's not a good thing because you're you're not stretching yourself you're not stretching your ministry you're not stretching your teens the the ones that you're serving and so that's the the delicate balance that I'm working with our missionaries and like and then in amidst that not having that that fake confidence like I know what I'm doing I don't need help because I don't know how that necessarily rolls in with this comfort idea. But if you're not asking for help, again, I think I would say if you're not asking for help, one, you're delusional and think you can do it all by yourself. Um, two, you may not be pushing yourself, you know, beyond yourself to take that next step, one that you couldn't take without help. And so there's that, that need for discomfort in, in that way. Yeah, Moses was uncomfortable, very uncomfortable. Yeah. He communicated it to God, and God gave him help. Yeah, right. Absolutely. I, uh, I think that uh, Mary's question, "How can this be?" didn't it showed that she wasn't super comfortable. She was more kind of like curious. I don't think she's a doubter. Like Mary's yeah. amazing. This is yeah, treading treading lightly because it's Mary, <laughs> like the saint of all saints. Um, but but I mean, she had her, her heart was pierced. By her yes to Christ, yeah. yep. you know, and that's that's not comfortable. Nope. Um, is it effective though? Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah, so effective. Amen. And uh, but the flip side of it is, is I want the, the the youth that come into my ministry or the people that come into my ministry, whatever your ministry is, I want them to feel comfortable and welcome. Yep. Right. So so I I, I don't know if on that side. If it, if it makes sense to be like, hey, welcome to our ministry. We're going to make you uncomfortable, and that's going to be good for you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, uh, But like like they start at a, a level of comfort to where they they feel like they can share and be open and take risks and be uncomfortable. Yeah, so, so we want them to make, make them feel comfortable enough to take a risk to be uncomfortable. Absolutely. I, I love that because if our ministry is not challenging – then why are they even jumping on the Zoom call in the first place? Why are they even coming in the first place? Like, like people don't come to stay in the exact same spot. They come to be entertained, so maybe it's fun. Maybe that's the appeal. But even entertainment, like excellence in entertainment is, is sports is a great example of that. Um, we enjoy video games, and there, there are times where you're like, oh, I got to just grind through this level to get the loot so I can go do this thing. Like, there's discomfort in that, and that's part of the draw and part of the appeal. So be uncomfortable, people. Yeah. Yeah, and, and like for a new youth minister, like or those of us new in ministry, you need that level of comfort in the same like analogy that I was just talking about with the youth coming into your program. You need that level of comfort so that you can then take risks from that. Because if you don't have that level of comfort, the likelihood that you're going to share vulnerably, and we talked about this in teams, like if you don't have trust, you're not going to have conflict because you don't trust the team to handle that conflict well, right? And so if you don't have that that base level of comfort, the likelihood that you're gonna have the the conflict needed, the discomfort needed 
is is pretty low. So that's that's building up that comfort, that confidence, that comfort in a, in a missionary leader is is a good thing. When it becomes complacency, that's not a good thing. Yeah, and so I believe that the virtue that pairs best with this topic, this podcast, is humility. To be humble enough to say, you know what, God's calling me out of the boat. I'm not comfortable with this at all, but I'm humble enough to say, I'm going to be obedient to you, God. I'm going to take a stretch. I'm going to take a risk. I'm not taking the risk because I'm comfortable with it. I'm taking the risk because I'm confident in you, in me, your presence in me. Amen. Excellent. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us today. Let's continue the conversation online. Again, check us out on Facebook, MLA Podcast. It's a uh, closed group where we can just share. Excellent. Share this podcast with someone. And as always, guys, you know, if we want to go quickly, we go alone. And if you want to go far, we go together. Pray for each other this week. Pray for the ability to step out of the boat to take risks and be comfortable. Be uncomfortable. Yeah, that's the one. (laughs) And we will see you next week on Ministry Leaders Anonymous. God bless. God bless. You did it without the script, Matt. You did okay. I did okay. Yay. It was when yeah, I went off did. script and tried to make up my own thing that I messed it all up. You <laughs> didn't mess it all up. It was just a flavor. We were uncomfortable at the beginning there you go. because of that. you. What a great intro. <laughs>